Hi, this is Elaine. We've hosted guest experts on impactparents.com every week since 2011. And since 2017, they've been podcast style interviews. Now we're dipping into those archives to share these fascinating conversations with leading world experts on the Parenting with Impact podcast. Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Elaine and Diane are certified coaches with personal experience raising children with challenges such as ADHD, anxiety, and more, and extensive experience in guiding parents to raise their complex kids with confidence and calm. On the podcast, Elaine and Diane interview experts, bringing you cutting-edge information about your child's challenges, teach you real-life strategies to create lasting change, and demonstrate how coaching can guide you to parent your complex kids one conversation at a time. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Welcome, everybody. It's Elaine Taylor-Klaus with Impact ADHD, your online resource for complex kids or parenting complex kids or teaching complex kids or whatever it is you do with complex kids. I am excited to welcome my friend and guest, Dr. Sharon Celine. Sharon, welcome. Hi, Elaine. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. I always I'm, love talking with you. Me too. You. I'm always glad to have you here. So let me tell you about Sharon. She's a clinical psychologist, and she has been working really hard on a book called What Your, Child, Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew, Working Together to Empower Kids for Success in School and Life. And Sharon specializes in working with kids, young adults, and families with ADHD, with learning disabilities, with other mental health issues. She has a unique perspective as a sibling in an ADHD home, combined with decades of experience as a clinical psychologist, as well as an educator and a clinician. She gives presentations and workshops, works directly one-to-one, and has really taken this very interesting spin in her work and writing about looking at these issues from the from the lens of the kids and is really beginning to give voice to kids and teens and what their experiences are with their own issues with ADHD and with the parents that are trying to support them. So she's really going to talk to us today about the five things kids with ADHD wish their parents did differently. And I know there are a lot of people who are going to love hearing it. So let's dive in. Where do you want to start? Well, the first thing that kids really want their parents to do is to manage their own big feelings. (laughs) That's a nice way of putting it. Yes. A lot of times the focus is on what the child needs to do differently. And there is, without a doubt, the kids need to do things differently. But what happens in so many families is that the parent becomes upset or dysregulated and is, you know, chiding the child or telling the child what they need to do differently when they themselves are not together. The children totally perceive that and they, they, it's hard for them to cooperate when they, they're not being asked by someone who's calm and in a centered place themselves. They also don't see a model for how to do that. So if you're a kid and you're feeling like you're out of control, 
and you're in a car with your parent and your parent yells, stop doing that. And you keep doing that. And then your parent yells louder, stop doing that. And then throws a shoe at you. Like there's no, that isn't actually a good model of what to do in that moment. <laughs> you think maybe not, not such a good model. Well, and I'm just, I'm loving the image of show, throwing a shoe in a car and it just, that just amplifies it so beautifully. And I'm, I was thinking about, it, we were watching an, a movie, it's like 80s movie the other day and you've got the mom and the kid next to each other screaming at the top of their lungs in the car. Like, yeah, that's not working so well. <laughs> it's not working so well, exactly. And, and so what's happening in a moment when a parent is upset and a child is upset is everyone is in that moment is being ruled by their amygdala. Right. Their, we call it amygdala hijack. It's the it's the it's the Daniel Goleman amygdala hijacked, and the amygdala is now hijacked the adult and the child. And so the thinking brain, you know, that's in the front the frontal lobes, needs to get back in control. And the only way that's going to happen is if the adult does it first. Right. Theoretically. Our brains are mature. We have mature executive functions and we have the ability to manage our feeling brains. Kids don't have that skill particularly well. It's growing. They're learning how to do that. And so they really do need their parents to manage themselves. It's not only important in terms of modeling, but it's frightening for children mm -hmm. when a parent is out of control. Even if your teenager is giving it right back at you as if they don't care at all and telling you how stupid you are, underneath, it doesn't feel good. Right. Well, and you know, so many things come up as, as you're raising this issue. And, and I, this issue comes up so frequently in my interviews with experts. Like, I, I cannot emphasize enough how important it is to calm yourself down. And we teach lots of strategies around that. I'm sure that you do too. And the thing that's coming up that we don't usually talk about that's really jumping out at me is the hypocrisy of it, right? Where a lot of kids, a lot of our kids, right. but particularly older kids, are looking at parents who are behaving in ways they're telling kids not to behave. And they're looking at their parents saying, you know, you're being a hypocrite right now. They may not say it out loud, but that's what they're thinking and feeling. That is exactly what they're thinking and feeling. And I try not to use, I mean, you're naming it and I'm glad, but I know in, in sessions in my room, I don't, I try not to use that word because people bristle so much. Right. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm like, well, you're not exactly not a hypocrite. Like, it's like... <laughs> You know, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. So, so it's just, it's just important. And you're not, no one's perfect at it. I'm not saying do this all the time or else you're not a good parent. I'm saying try to manage your big feelings. And if you can't, if you really can't regulate yourself, then take what I call is a time apart, which is a structured amount of time where you are going to separate from your child so you can each regulate yourselves. And so that can be harder with younger children who follow you or grab you or kick you. Yeah. But that can also be as simple as going to the bathroom. So yeah. everybody understands that everyone needs to go to the bathroom sometimes. And so you can have in your head for your adult, you know, sort of safeguard that when I'm starting to feel it inside, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Yeah, that's a great idea. I can wash my face. I can read my magazine. I can just think. Take a break. Take a break. 
and then I can come back. So you say, I'm going to go to the bathroom. We can finish this when I get back. So there's your return that you have a hard time on the return. Mm -hmm. Sometimes with older kids, you can say, look, I don't think we're getting anywhere. We're going to take a hard stop and come back in an hour when you've resettled and I've resettled. Well, and, and the other thing that I would say, I would add to it, because I'm so with you on, like, take the break, allow your, sp- your brain the space to recover. We call it reclaim the brain, right? right. Um, there's also something about the transparency of being able to say, I don't like the way I was behaving, or I don't like it how I handled it that way, or I'm sorry, I didn't mean, I didn't intend to, uh, to blow up or to offend you, and I shouldn't have handled that. And, and to own it without judgment or blame or shame on yourself. Yes. Um, I think that that's actually really important that a lot of times we expect, we adults expect kids to apologize to us, but we have our actions to them. Yep. Well, I, and I've said this in, a, in another interview recently, actually, with John Wilson, but my niece said to me once, Antelaine, all kids want to hear from their parents is I'm sorry. That's right. And that's all parents right. want to hear from their kids is thank you. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> I thought it was brilliant from the mouths of babes. Okay, so manage your own big feelings is one. What's two? Number two, understand how hard they're working to stay afloat. Yes. Oh, yes. They want you to know that they're really trying hard. They're really trying hard. Spend all day at school, which for many kids with ADHD is not their happy place, trying to do work and stay on task and things that may or may not be interesting to them. Mm-hmm. So they need a little more compassion around that, that they're trying and they're trying to stay afloat. They're trying. One of my clients says it was like, it's like a file goes into her brain and the papers, papers go everywhere. And mm-hmm. just trying to figure out what to do with those papers, the next file comes in and now she has twice as many papers. And then the next file comes in and she can never really kind of catch up on, you know, sort of allocating where those papers are supposed to go. And so for parents to really, you know, conceptualize that with their kids in terms of what they're perceiving around them in their environment, what they're being expected to to do, they really need to have um, more empathy about what they're doing to try to keep their heads above water. Mm -hmm. Well, what jumps out at me is that when these kids have challenges with with executive function and effort management or energy regulation is part of our executive function. And so if we are struggling with executive function, then we're struggling to manage our effort. So it's a, it's more of an effort to do the basic things that are asked of us and of our kids with ADHD than it is for typical kids. So for us as parents to really understand that is important. I actually talk about in the, that in my book, I call it efforting. I decided efforting. Right. I love it. And so that they, it's efforting and they, they need acknowledgement for that. They don't yes. need to make them a cake, but they need you to notice that they're making efforts in the direction that they're supposed to be going in mm-hmm. so that they can feel like, okay, I'm going to keep trying rather yeah. than I see you trying, but it's not good enough. Right. It's that but, right? It's not enough. It's never enough. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm mindful of time. So number three is they want to have a say and they want yes. to in things that have to do with them. So obviously you are, you know, you would, as an adult, you're the head of the family, but when you're trying to come up with a homework system, when you're trying to come up with a chore system, when you're trying to figure out how they can clean their room, how to rake the yard, frequently kids with ADHD have ideas. They may not be 
the straight line ideas, but they have ideas. And creative ones, right? That's what I mean. They're creative and they might decide, oh, let's rake in a big circle instead of in lines across the yard, right? They want those ideas to be considered and Mm -hmm. maybe not fully incorporated, but a little bit. I I try to use the 10% rule. If somebody, if your, your child suggests that he wants to rake in a spiral and you want him to rake in straight lines, where's the compromise? And can you put 10% in somewhere so there's a spiral? Right. Well, and I'm like, what's so important about the, spi- about the lines versus the spiral? But, but I'm with you. I mean, the, what I'm hearing is the kids want to say they want to roll. And if we want to foster independent decision making, right, if we want them to become decision makers and capable of living their lives, they have to learn to have a say in their lives and to own it. And so this is a great way to foster ownership. Right. And to learn how to negotiate about that. Exactly. Just to have an argument. Yeah. So the fourth thing is that they, they need clear messages from their parents and help with creating routines that make sense to them. Because actually for kids with ADHD, if they can fall back on a routine that they actually learn, like this is what I do in the morning every day. This is what I do in the evening every day. They don't have to think so much about it. They don't have to worry that they're missing the mark. And so what happens is that sometimes parents don't give clear messages. They think they're being clear, but they're not really being clear. Their kids may or may not hear them. There's a lot of assumptions. A lot of assumptions. So I like to do something where you actually say something to someone and they repeat it back to you. I call it one, two, three. And, you know, so you have to say the thing, you hear, you, you look them in the eye and you have it repeated back to you. And also for parents in terms of their, that's, about delivering messages, but for themselves to decide what's really important here. What do I really want to focus on with my child? Because people can really only change one thing at a time. Yep. You know, one thing has to be major and a few and maybe two minor things and that's it. Yeah. I know when you've got this list of 30 things you know they want you want done before they leave the house when they're 18 and and you really do have to do them one at a time if you try to do them all everybody gets overwhelmed and nothing gets done but I want to I want to stay focused on this on the the bigger message which is they need clear messages from parents and help with creating routines that make sense and so the breaking down that clear messages is there's sort of two pieces the parent needs to be clear on what they want and then it needs to be clearly communicated Correct. And actually, third piece is then you're saying it also needs to be make sure it's received. Right. So there's sort of three pieces to it. Exactly. Exactly. Clear on what you want, communicating in a way that um, makes sense to your child, and checking in to be sure that your child heard what you were communicating and understood what you you said. Because they may have heard it, but they may not understand exactly what it means. Right. In in lieu of time, I just want to move to... You're good. All right. So the fifth one is... Praise and encouragement matter. That parental and teacher support really matter to these kids. The, you know, the positivity ratio is three to one. And I would say it's probably for these kids, one to 20. Yep. Right. So one to 20 things they need to do differently. So what do you say to the parent who says, why should I praise him for doing what's expected of him? Because we hear that a lot. Right. So what's expected is harder for your child to actually execute Mm -hmm. than it is for other children. And because your child hears so many negative things, they're 
vision of themselves is more negative. So they're going to be less able in their minds to do things in the future where they take risks. They need to know that they're doing what's expected and they're meeting those expectations. Well, and I think about the work environment and, you know, everybody looks for those, for those reviews and for the acknowledgement and for the bonuses. I mean, we want recognition that we're on track and we're doing well. And our and kids I, need to hear that too. And I say that to parents. I said, don't you want to hear from your boss when you do something? Yep. And yep. so whether it's expected or not doesn't really matter to a child. It's again, it goes back to that efforting. I'm trying to do the right thing here. And I'd like to know that it got noticed. Give me a little credit. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like I spend all this time, and I hear all about when I don't do the right thing. Like it's just not balanced. You know, yep. want to be, you know, balanced, and and that despite what your child may be saying, that to you, like I don't care what you think or blah blah blah, it's just not true underneath. Yeah, These, they do care. They really care a lot. So, so let's come back to that in a minute. I want to give people a chance to know how to find out more about you, and then we're going to come back to that issue and wrap up with that. Is that good? Great. Okay. So tell people how they can find more from you besides um, on our site, because there's a bunch of several pieces already on our site at impactadhd.com. Which has been great. I have a website, which is www.drsharonsaline, like the saline solution.com. <laughs> and you can also uh, like my page on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, uh, LinkedIn. Those are all let's, great. Let's, let's keep it simple, though. Start with drsharonsaline.com. That is the best way. And I have a blog and a newsletter and videos and blah, blah, blah. Great. And I have a book coming out. So you can look at that, look, look it up on Amazon. And uh, it's. And again, the book is what your child, what your ADHD child wishes you knew. And on that, we've got like two or three minutes left. Let's come back and sort of come back to that issue where we just sort of landed, which was not just the efforting, but. You know, you've given us five things, right? Manage big feelings, understand how hard they're working, that efforting piece, um, give them a say, make really clear what, what the expectations are and the routines are, give them praise and encouragement, right? And all of this is because? Because we want to raise children who are self-reliant yeah. and feel good about themselves, like have a sense of positive confidence have confidence and and they care what we think and they right? care what you think and no matter how much they act otherwise i have yet to speak to over you know dozens of kids not one of them said i don't care what my parents or my teachers think now there's maybe eight only one teacher that that a teenager might like out of seven or eight but mm -hmm. that one teacher makes a big difference and yeah. so that these are still kids and they're still developing and they're even mm -hmm. their, their brains are still developing until they're in their early 20s so they may not have all those skills that you want them to have at 18 they may have enough and then others are going to develop in those late teen years and early 20s yeah well and if you if you look at the research it's probably mid-20s now right. Exactly. I mean, I have one mom said, well, you know, I'm not making their doctor, his doctor appointment. He's, he's, he's a freshman in college. He should make his own doctor appointment. And I, I looked at um, her and I said, and how does he know how to make his own doctor appointment? When has he ever done that before? What experience exactly. does he have doing that? Exactly. Right. And she said, um, oh, I guess he hasn't. Like, that's right. He needs you to show him. Right. A few times and then he can do it. So that's yeah. what I 
mean in terms of like expectations, like what's expected of you? It's, it's, it's such a complicated word. Right. Well, you know, it's, what jumps out at me as you're saying that is that there are these phases that parents go through right? We start off directing, and then we model, and then we transfer, and you know, and the goal is to transfer ownership. And oftentimes, we get locked into early phases, and then we forget that it's a gradual transition. And then they get to a point where they're old enough, and we want to just throw it all at them when they haven't had a chance to, for us to incrementally get there with them. So all of these things you're sharing are really about beginning to learn to transfer ownership and, and foster that resilience and to let go of our control so that they have a chance for some agency. And what these kids said is like, essentially, I have ideas about things. Mm. I, do, I have my own ways of doing things. They're mine. They're idiosyncratic. They may not be yours, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong. Right. And, and how, can, how can you as a parent include some of those ideas? Yeah, I love it. And this, and this is for parents of kids of all ages. And, and we really need to wrap up, but I just, I just want to share that I was talking to a mom on, in a group yesterday of a six-year-old who was celebrating her progress from this year as she's been in this group, was realizing that she's begun to figure out how to get her six-year-old more engaged in in involved in making decisions in his life and imagine like it's so great it's not just 16 year olds this starts really early the sooner we we do this and we begin this process the more engaged and and self-confident these kids will become right that's absolutely true and i think it's it's especially relevant for kids who are six and seven yeah that's where a lot of that early wounding comes in yeah early so those early blows to self-confidence so we want to really start early yep so we we are a little over time but that's good that's cool so let's wrap up what's your sort of bottom line takeaway send away message for people as we wrap up today how do you want to wrap this up I, I want people to really think about how how they can stay centered include their kids in the process and notice their accomplishments however small, as part of a longer journey towards independence, self-reliance, and being, good, being a good functional adult. I was going to say, ultimately, a happy, fulfilling life, right? Exactly, exactly. That's what we're going for here. Awesome. What a great way to close. Thank you. Our guest has been Dr. Sharon Celine. She is the author, What Your ADHD Child Wishes You Knew working together to empower kids for success in school and in life. You can find out more about her at drsharonceline.com. And of course, way more resources on impactadhd.com for parents and for educators, all about how to take a coach approach to parenting. I want to thank you for being here, for listening, for tuning in, for checking it out, and for the role you're playing in the work you're doing in the lives of the kids in your lives. Take care, everyone. Talk to you again. You've been listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash sanity school. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.